Pastor Xavier Rees says a swift listener is one slow to anger. Proverbs 14, 29 says, He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. If you're a person who is not spirit-controlled, you're headed for trouble. If you talk before you listen, you're probably going to eat crow a lot of times. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. James 1.19. Good advice. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Just as there's warnings of potential dangers posted on things like traffic signs and medicine bottles, so too does God provide warnings for potentially harmful sinful behavior. And that's just what we see in our Simple Truth study of 1 Samuel chapter 25 today. Pastor Xavier illustrates with David's heeding of the wisdom of Abigail how God often provides a divine diversion around impulsive actions we would be quick to regret. Let's listen. The message is entitled, Beauty and the Beast. David is on the run from Saul, as you know. And God is the protector and the guider of David every step of the way. David had the chance to kill Saul in the previous chapter. He entered the cave to attend to his needs, and then David cut off a piece or a corner of Saul's robe. And then it struck the conscience of David that he had touched God's anointed. And he restrained his men who wanted to kill him. David acted honorably in the previous chapter. He will act the same way in chapter 26 towards Saul, not killing him again. But in between these two acts of honor, we have this middle occasion where David almost does something he shouldn't, and he's not as honorable to this scoundrel Nabal. We have to be careful. It's a lesson for us. David spoke to Saul as he exited the cave, and then he followed him. And as he was at a distance, he pleaded his innocence before Saul, promising that he would not raise his hand against him. Saul conceded that he knew David would be king. And he asked him to not destroy his descendants after him by an oath, and David agreed to that. And really, that's the turning point here. It's key in chapter 24, verse 20 and 22, where Saul acknowledges, and you will be king. I promise you will not wipe out my descendants. Now, remember, he's already made a covenant with Jonathan. Now, Saul asked for this oath. Now, David is insulted by a wealthy man, causing him to want to take vengeance for himself. And it's laid out for us again in three movements. In verse 1 through 13, we have the arrogance of Nabal provoked the wrath of David. Then in 14 through 35, we have the wisdom of Abigail averted the wrath of David. And in 36 through 44, the Lord recompense the wrath of David. Notice in verse 1, The setting for the account is the death of Samuel. Well, David was a fugitive from Saul. 
It almost seems out of place, but it isn't. The death of Samuel brought an end to an era. Samuel had been the last of the judges, as you know, and the first of the prophets to the kings. Samuel had anointed Saul and David as kings. And Samuel was David's last contact as he uh, fled from Saul and he went to Ramah and then both Samuel and David went to Naoth in chapter 18, verse 18. That's the last time that David saw Samuel. Samuel having died now, the prophet Gad, as we've seen, now guides and directs David and Abathar intercedes in the priesthood for David. We've seen this in chapter 22, verse 5, and chapter 23, verse 6. Samuel's death was when David was hiding in Engedi. Notice the burial of Samuel was attended by many. The Israelites gathered together and lamented for him. They buried him in his home of Ramah. The fugitive David, after he attended Samuel's funeral rose and went down to the wilderness of Param after that. Now the stage is closer for the establishment of David as king now. It's progressing. God is ready to set David. He's in preparation, as we said. David now goes to the wilderness of Param, west of the southern end of the Dead Sea. Notice in verse 2 and 3, the man who would offend David is identified. The geographical location was twofold. Uh, the man lived in Manoah, about seven to eight miles south of Hebron, the northern wilderness Paran. And the man had a business or worked there in Carmel, which means garden land, but not Mount Carmel up in the north on the Mediterranean, just below the modern city of Haifa, but down towards the south. His economic reputation was great, we're told. A man is said to be exceedingly wealthy. The number of his herds are 3,000 sheep, 1,000 goats. And his present occupation was collecting wool. This is the work that he's involved there. The man is presented as being present at this shearing type here at Carmel. It's the time when all of a sudden all the profit, all the gain comes in, the distribution of things. The name of the man was Nabal, which means fool. Not a very good name to give anybody. But um, most commentators believe that it wasn't his proper name, but it's a name that he kind of, a nickname that was given to him as he moved along in life. You understand? It reveals his characters, we'll see. Now the name of his wife is Abigail, which means my father is joy or exalted of my father. And she is called a Carmelite in 1 Samuel 27.3. And what a, a, a vivid picture of beauty and the beast. <laughs> so opposite to each other. The one is a person of character, the other one is not. Different as night and day. Notice Abigail was a woman of good understanding. The Hebrew says pleasant, agreeable, prudent, insightful as a woman of intellect. The process is necessary for wisdom. Abigail is also said to be beautiful in appearance. And the Hebrew means attractive in face and shapely in figure. 
Nabal was in contrast with, he was a harsh man and evil in his doings there in verse 3, which means severe, hard-hearted, malignant, displeasing. The twofold description of Nabal means remorse and ill nature in his temper and disposition of mind and wicked in his conversation, fraudulent and oppressive dealing with other men. He's just one of these kind of guys that unless you have to talk with them, you don't want to talk to them. You understand? Now the message of David sent to Nabal by some of his men is given to us in verse 4 through 8. In verse 4, the occasion that prompted David was when he heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. The custom was, again, of being gracious out of appreciation for those who had acted as protectors and to impart some of those blessings. Notice in verse 5, the proclamation was one of peace, not of threat. David sent them directly to Nabal in his name. Listen to his words in verse 5. David sent ten young men. And David said to the young man, Go up to Carmel, go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And then David sent the men to greet Nabal by blessing him. In verse 6 it says, Thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, Peace be to you, peace to your house, and peace to all that you have. There is no threat. There is no animosity. There is just a, a blessing here. Three times peace. Notice in verse 7 and 8, the message of David was to inform Nabal how they provided security for his shepherds. They were to declare their awareness of his shears. Now I have heard that you have shears. Verse 7. They were to declare how they protected the shepherds. Your shepherds were with us, and we did not hurt them, nor was there anything missing from them all while they were in Carmel. And they verify this to the men. Ask your men. They will tell you. They will agree with us. And then notice there in verse 8 at the end there, the petition of David was for just some compensation. As a sign of appreciation, by the way. And therefore let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on the feast day. As a benevolent master that he might show his recognition of this. Please give whatever comes to your hand. He didn't say how much. He says, whatever comes to your hand, to your servants and to your son, David. The whole approach was in meekness and non-threatening. But remember who this guy is. He's a fool. The mean spirit in Nabal insulted David. In 9, the messengers represented David. It says they spoke as David told him. Listen to their words. So when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all these words in the name of David. So they, they told him exactly what David said. And they said nothing else. And they waited. The message of Nabal demeaned and scorned David. In 10, Nabal 
acted as if he didn't know David. Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? He was implying David was a nobody, revealing he was Saul's subject. Remember, we've already seen that the, 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 the nation, the countries are divided, right? It's polarized. Saul has his spies out. He, like all others, knew that David was Saul's captain. He, like all others, knew who David was from the very day that he killed Goliath. For him to say, who is David, is the greatest of insults. Now, remember, previous chapter, David's honorable. He's sensitive to God. I will not touch God's anointed. But now he's up against an idiot. Okay? Now think through this. This is you and me. Notice in 10, still Nabal accused David of being a rebellious servant. There are many servants nowadays who break a wage, one from his master. He was implying David was in rebellion against Saul. He was one of Saul's subjects. Uh, things are being said that are not said, but they're understood. Do you understand? He knew Saul had set up a monument, you remember, for himself and Carmel in 1 Samuel 15, 12. Remember when Samuel went to look him when he disobeyed the command of the Lord and he went up to set up a monument for himself right here in Carmel. This is where he came to put it up. Do you think Nabal didn't know about that monument? He was probably there at the dedication. And so in verse 11, Nabal disdained the men sent by David. He says, shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shears and give it to men when I do not know where they are from? David probably knew all along that Nabal was a loyal subject of Saul. And yet, he restrained himself from just taking the things or even killing him. So he did well, but now all of a sudden, he's being pushed a little more. You understand? The message of Nabal was taken back to David now, and David's men were angry. So David's young men returned on their heels and went back. I mean, they just blurted out of there. And they came and they told all these words to David, and David's anger now sought vengeance. As he's hearing these words, you can imagine his face just starting. Oh, man. Verse 13, the command. Then David said to his men, every man gird on his sword. So every man girded on his sword. And David also girded on his sword. The company of men, about 400 men, went with David. 200 stayed with the supplies or the stuff, as the old King James says. Remember, he started with 400, grew to 600. He's taking the four, leaving the two. There is a proverb that states, it is better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. How many times you and I have prayed that we would have kept our mouth shut? Why did I say that? But there's always a way out. To say, you know, I'm sorry. I acted as a fool. I was talking out of place. Forgive me. But that's the hardest thing for us. It just is, that pride. The tragedy in life is that at times people marry people that are 
a detriment to their spiritual life. As we see here with Abigail and Nabal. Now sometimes there are marriages like Nabal and Abigail or the reverse. Having married unbelievers due to compromise or perhaps marrying for wealth. People marry for all kinds of different reasons. In the Lord we have to be careful because if we sow we reap. And there's no way out. So we have to be careful. Now, sometimes people get married not knowing the Lord, and then they come to the Lord after. That's a different matter. Now, at other times, marriages are based solely on the physical, and they will fall apart. Because if you marry simply for the physical, the minute that physical goes, you will trade that person on the new model. And still others are so opposite that you would never put them together Yet they fit like a glove. A perfect partnership in friends. You look at, I never, and they just, because the Lord has put them together. Because they have committed their life to the Lord. And they work through that marriage. And they reckon each other dead. And they glorify the Lord, you understand? So when you look at a marriage and man, I wish I had that, you can't have that. It just depends how bad you want it. But it takes two. If one doesn't want to do it, then you can't force them, can you? But you're responsible for your part. You can't justify yourself because the other member doesn't want to go along with it. You do all that you can so that you're right with God. Song of Solomon 5.16 says, His mouth is most sweet. Yes, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. There are always individuals who are cruel, offensive, and they plan evil. They are usually uh, respecters of people due to person's position, power, or both. You'll never get away from that. In the world as well as in the church, by the way. They are dedicated and will defend a person due to what they seek to gain. They're self-serving people. Ecclesiastes 4.13 says, Better a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who will be admonished no more. The desire for vengeance is ever-present and ready to be instantly active. You know anything about that? <laughs> Every one of us has a capacity. A righteous anger that confronts wrong or evil is not wrong. Even as Paul confronted Ilham as a sorcerer, it is our self-avenging anger and actions that are condemned. Do not let the sun go down in your wrath, we are told in Ephesians. Proverbs 14, 29 says, He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. If you're a person who is not spirit-controlled, you're headed for trouble. If you run before you look, you're probably going to get hit. <laughs> if you talk before you listen... You're probably going to eat crow a lot of times. So carry a salt shaker. 
So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. James 1.19. Good advice. The arrogance of Nabal provoked the wrath of David. Now, second movement comes. We see the wisdom of Abigail averted the wrath of David, 14 through 35. 14 through 17, the warning to Abigail by one of the servants is given to us. In 14, the servant of Nabal knew the danger they were under because he's present there when this conversation is going on. The wise servant told Abigail of his master's evil. In verse 14, now one of the youth, uh, the young men, told Abigail Nabal's wife, saying, look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. The word revile means to, uh, to scream, to, to swoop down the idea of arrogant disrespect. The servant acknowledged, notice in verse 15 and 16, the great security by the hand of David's men constantly. Don't miss the description here. In verse 15, the beginning, and they, they were kind, but the men were very good to us. The rest of 15, they were protective. And we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we accompanied them when we were in the fields. So they stayed close to David's men. <laughs> they were diligent watchmen in verse 16. They were a wall to us both by night and by day. All the time we were with them keeping the sheep. All the time. Notice in 17, the servant exhorted Abigail to act quickly. He asked that she be wise. Now, therefore, know and consider what you will do. Notice he declared they were under great danger, for harm is determined against our master and against all his household. And so he acknowledged the evil of his master, for he is such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him. This boy was known by everybody. The word scoundrel means worthless, good for nothing, unprofitable fellow. You say, that's not very nice. Truth is truth, ladies and gentlemen. When someone's like this, you don't go out of your way to slander them. But if, 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 if somebody asks you something, you have to say, well, yeah, he's, he's not the wisest. And you leave it there. You don't go say, oh, he's the nicest guy. He just, you don't do that. Son of Belial. Son of Satan, literally. <laughs> Look at 18 through 22. The quick response of Abigail. In 18 and 19, the preparations were adequate and wise. She gathered food. Then Abigail made haste in verse 18. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep ready dressed, five ephod of roasted grains and a hundred clusters of raisin and 200 cakes of figs and loaded them on the donkey. And she sent a servant ahead. And she said to her servant, go on before me. See, I am coming after you, wise woman. And she withheld it from her husband, but she did not tell her husband Nabal. Now, some people say that this is not right. You know, women are supposed to submit to their husband. Listen, he's a fool. He's gotten them in trouble. This woman is acting out of concern and care for everybody, including her husband. If she doesn't act, they're all dead. Well, with that, we're going to have to break in as we've run out of time for today. 
Pastor Xavier will be providing the conclusion of our Simple Truth study of David's encounter with Nabal and Abigail on our next get-together. But you can hear this program again for any part you may have missed simply by logging on to CalvaryChapelPasadena.com and locating the radio listings link. You can pick up a CD copy of this message as well. And the title you want to ask for is Beauty and the Beast. As usual, it's available on CD for only $4. And make sure you pass on this study to a friend in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is Beauty and the Beast. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com